Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews with your host, Aaron Martell. Hello there, I'm Aaron Martell, and welcome to Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews, a podcast where I talk about and review a rock album of my choice. Today I'm flying solo, no co-pilots, but if you're listening and you're interested in coming on the show to review an album with me, I'm always on the lookout for co-pilots to host the podcast with me. There are a few ways to get in touch with me, which I'll go over at the end of the show. So on this week's episode, I'm going to discuss Judas Priest's 1980 album, British Steel. And I'm afraid I have a confession to make. I got into Judas Priest way later than I should have. I first became aware of the band in the early to mid-80s, with songs like You Got Another Thing Comin', Breaking the Law, and Living After Midnight. The music was right up my alley, as I loved what's now thought of as traditional heavy metal, but I held off buying a Priest album until around 1991 for a lot of stupid reasons. Initially, I didn't care for the leather and studs look of the band, which is truly moronic on my part, since I was a huge Kiss fan, and that band's early look was all black leather. But I think the biggest reason is that I bought into the Judas Priest versus Iron Maiden split in the metal fan base, and I was firmly in the Maiden camp. Again, dumb as hell. Of course you can love both bands. But the truth of the matter is, I never really gave Priest a shot. I finally broke down and bought the Screaming for Vengeance album in 91, because I thought the cover was cool, and it had You Got Another Thing Coming on it. Holy shitballs, Batman, did I love that record. And I thought to myself, fuck, what have I been missing with Priest all this time? So I got another Priest album, Defenders of the Faith. And British Steel was the third Judas Priest record I bought. And there you have it. So now here's some basic facts about this album. Brought to you by Wikipedia. Kneel before Wiki! British Steel is a sixth studio album by British heavy metal band Judas Priest, released on April 14, 1980 on Columbia Records. It was produced by Tom Allum and was recorded from January to February 1980 at Startling Studios, Ascot, England. It reached number four in the UK album chart and number 34 on the US Billboard 200 chart and is certified silver by the BPI and platinum by the RIAA. Next, I'll give you the band's lineup card. We have Rob Halford on vocals, K.K. Downing on guitar, Glenn Tipton on guitar, Ian Hill on bass guitar, and Dave Holland on drums. All tracks on this album were written by Glenn Tipton, Rob Halford, and K.K. Downing. Now it's time to get into a track-by-track review of the album, beginning with the first track, Rapid Fire. This track rips right out with a fast tempo and the memorable vocal line pounding the world like a battering ram. The pace never slows as Rob belts out the lyrics which to me seem to be about an end of the world scenario maybe even caused by humankind through nuclear holocaust. 
There's no chorus, just fast riffing, until the middle section where the drums and bass drown out and the guitars chug as if the song is catching its breath and then takes off again. The guitarist and Judas Priest are both ace players who play together on the basic riffs and then often trade off on the lead lines during the solos. They do just that on this one and keep the propulsive vibe of the song pushing forward. I fucking love this track as it announces that Judas Priest is here and ready to kick maximum ass. The next track is Metal Gods. This has a slower, marching tempo than the first track, but is no less heavy. Rob sings of a robot army created by mankind that gains sentience and ends up taking over and enslaving humanity. This kind of science fiction story was something Priest had written about before they did this song, so it doesn't come across as unusual or odd to longtime Priest fans. There are sound effects on the chorus vocals, as well as intermittently throughout the track as the band dropped trays of cutlery to simulate the marching of the metal robot army. This is a classic Judas Priest tune and was frequently played in their set lists. On another note, this song inspired Priest fans to dub them the Metal Gods and Rob Halford in particular as THE Metal God, and fuck yeah he is. His voice is capable of soaring, ear-piercing screams and lower, guttural metal barks. It's a remarkable instrument, and his vocal range is astonishing. All hail the metal god. We move on now to Breaking the Law. popular priest songs this comes right at you with a fast classic riff that has a bit of a hard rock feel as opposed to metal the song is structured like a pop tune with verse chorus and bridge sections and a running time of just two minutes 35 seconds which suggests to me that the band was looking to get this played on the radio the lyrics are no frills and tell the tale of a guy who's down and out and with no prospects on the horizon turns to a life of crime the Breaking the Law, Breaking the Law chorus is super catchy, and the popular 90s cartoon characters Beavis and Butthead were known to sing it. During the bridge, Rob yells out, You don't know what it's like! While breaking glass and police siren sound effects made with KK's guitar are heard. The music video for the song is hilariously dumb, with the band members robbing a bank to steal a gold record, while a security guard plays air guitar on a reverse Flying V cardboard guitar prop. All that aside, I've always dug this track, especially live, where it's played heavier and faster with more balls. This was the first single from the album, and it reached number 12 on the UK singles chart. Alright, come on, say it with me now. Breaking the law, breaking the law. Continuing on, we get Grinder. Grinder! 
choppy riff starts this one off and leads to a heavy, thick, mid-tempo groove that doesn't slog along as the bass and drums rhythm work keeps it moving. The lyrics on the surface appear to be about how the daily grind of modern life can chew up a person and lead to conformity and Rob wants to be free of the machine. He wants to live life on his own terms. But when I take a closer look, the lyrics, in my opinion, also could be referencing the fact that Rob, as a closeted homosexual in the macho world of heavy metal, felt trapped in the grinder and defiantly looked to a time when he could be free of living the lie of concealing his sexuality. His vocals on this track are rough and gritty, and you can hear the frustration seething underneath his delivery. The middle section of the track features the bass joining the choppy guitar riffs in unison, creating a head-banging rhythm that is joined by what to me sounds like a hammer banging on an anvil while Rob growls out the lyrics. The guitar solo kicks total ass on this to boot. I love this track, and it's another live favorite from this record. Moving on, we come to United. Gonna keep on driving, never stop United, United, United We stand, United We never shall fall United, United, United We stand, United We stand one and all This track was obviously designed to be an anthem a song where the whole crowd can sing along to and feel being a part of with everyone else. The lyrics are of a typical, we know who the opponents are, so let's stand together and we'll win sort of thing. A call to metalheads everywhere to come together as one. I do like the ascending chorus, and the song certainly does have a lofty, anthemic vibe to it. All the players are aimed at the one goal. There are no solos or wasted energy. The focus is clear to get the audience to join with the band, and there are huge gang vocals at the end of the track to drive the point home. The lyrics are vague enough where I can picture the band thinking that this would be chanted at sporting events and stadiums around the world. That didn't happen, and though this isn't my favorite track, I like it just fine. This was the third and last single from the album, and it reached number 26 on the UK singles chart. So let's flip the imaginary record over and drop the imaginary needle on You Don't Have to Be Old to Be Wise. This is a song of rebellion, highlighting the age-old conflict between the old and the young. The song takes the position of the young, Rob declaring that he's sick of being held down, programmed and told what to do by his elders. He's going to break free and go out on his own. It's the type of subject matter that's been around since the very beginning of rock and roll, and this is the heavy metal update, as the 80s were just beginning. Rob's vocals are featured on this track, and he really brings the emotion and power to the words as he holds some long, high notes on the choruses. This song also has some good guitar work. The riffs and solos are good and tight, and I dig it. It's a good tune. But it's my least favorite on the album, so I'm afraid it has to be called Aaron's Stinky Stinker. Next up is Living After Midnight. Living. 
is the other well-known track on the record, and for good reason. The main chorus riff and melody is so catchy it'll burrow into your eardrums. And though it rocks plenty hard, you can tell this was written to be a single, which it was, reaching number 12 on the UK singles chart, the same as Breaking the Law. I dig the loaded vocal hook in the verses, and Glenn's guitar solo is unflashy, but fits the vibe of the tune perfectly. The lyrics are simple and seem to be about having a hot one-night stand with someone and getting the fuck out of Dodge in the morning. Purely about sex, no love or romance whatsoever, then it's on to the next night and the next score. This song is a bit controversial with diehard Priest fans who feel it's too overplayed, too popular, and too commercial. But I don't blame the band for it. This song does what it's supposed to do, and to my mind there's nothing wrong with writing a song that has widespread appeal. You can call it a sellout if you want to, but if you think this track threatens Judas Priest's metal credentials, you're out of your fucking mind. I dig the shit out of it. The penultimate track is The Rage. Hello, Mr. Ian Hill, the unsung, longest-serving member of Judas Priest, content to stay in the background and play his uncomplicated bass patterns and never demanding the spotlight. But make no mistake, Ian is the glue of this band and always holds the rhythm down, no matter who the drummer is, and this band's had quite a few, especially in the early days. Ian introduces this track with an almost funky bass line, and the rest of the band add to the intro with what seems to be an attempt at a reggae groove at least as reggae as priests were capable of doing. Then it becomes a heavy, stomping riff rocker that crushes everything in its path as Rob rips out some fearsome, rage-tinged vocals. Honestly, I had no idea what the fuck the song is about, so I did some research, and I'll quote Rob on this one. Even I'm not sure what I was singing about back then. It was probably like, be free to be what you want to be. Okay, Rob, I'll take your word for it because it's your awesome vocal delivery that make the words stand out anyway. KK takes a turn at the solo and rocks it out, and we get a brief return of the reggae priest, until the song slams back in for the final stanza and riff ride out. Rob really brings it this last time, and as the song trudges to the end, KK continues to solo over the top. I love this track, and I feel it's one of the great overlooked and underrated Judas Priest songs. Feel the rage. And that brings us to the final track, Stealer.
this track, along with Rapid Fire, really bookends the album, as this is another ripping fast beast of a song that keeps the foot on the accelerator and fuck the brakes. There's nothing fancy or intricate here, just hard-charging, in-your-face riffs, and the band rides the groove all the way. The lyrics warn the listeners to always stay sharp and watch out for others who want to deceive or harm them, to always be on guard. A quick drum fill from Dave Holland heightens the song's tension, and Rob delivers the last vocals. Then the band goes into an extended outro that kicks so much fucking ass it leaves no one left standing. The riffs slowly build and build as Glenn and KK trade off solos that seem to appear and fade away, until finally the build-up reaches a fever pitch, with the rhythm section even joining in, and then it releases with a final faded-out chord. Fuck me sideways, this record ends with a bang. Amazing song. Now that the track-by-track is completed, I'll go into my final thoughts and album rating. For you new listeners, the rating is a 0-5 to system, with 5 being a favorite album of mine, all the way down to a 0, which needs to be flushed down the toilet. Though I feel like I was a little late to the party, I can say now with certainty that I'm a huge fan of Judas Priest. They occupy an interesting space in the heavy metal timeline. They bridge the gap between the proto-British metal of Sabbath, Zeppelin, and Purple, and the new wave of British heavy metal that rose during the late 70s, early 80s, led by Iron Maiden. Priests have always carried the flag of metal and raised it up proudly, being one of the first bands to unapologetically identify itself as metal and rally the fans around it. They pioneered the twin lead guitar attack that would become prominent in countless later metal bands. And in Rob Halford, they have one of the great voices and frontmen that metal has ever produced. In fact, I'd go as far as to say that Rob is my favorite metal vocalist of all time. He came out as gay in 1998, and the metal community, to its credit, didn't think twice and rallied around him, still holding him up as the metal god. It's actually kind of amusing to look back through the older Priest records and see how often Rob's lyrics dealt with his struggles to conceal his sexual orientation. There is even some songs that don't conceal much at all. To say that Priest is an influential metal band is to make the biggest understatement of the year. You can hear a little priest in almost every type of traditional, and in some cases even extreme, metal music. And their status in the metal community is unchallenged. But British Steel to this day is somewhat polarizing to the metal fan base, as Priest really made an attempt to create something accessible to a mass audience, and musically they succeeded as well as commercially. This album offers a bit of everything, fast full throttle rippers, heavy pounding slabs of metal, and even hard but hooky rockers. I guess it's because I'm not a Priest fan from the very beginning, but I've always, always loved this record. I really like the variety of the tunes, and the fact that Priest shows all these different musical sides and does them all well. This is right up there among my favorite records by these guys, and I'm giving British Steel a five, hands down. It deserves its popularity, and fuck the naysayers. This band has been around well over 45 years and has seen its shares of ups and downs, with band members coming and going and stylistic shifts that occasionally puzzled its fans. But they have weathered all the storms, and they're still around, making great records and still touring. And I say, long live Judas Priest, the Metal Gods. I'd now like to give a shout-out to a podcast that I enjoy listening to. It's a newer one called Satan and Rainbows, hosted by Nate Treese and Jeff Partika, and these guys know their shit about Judas Priest. 
they're currently in the middle of going through the Priest catalog album by album, giving much more detail and analysis than I do here, and they give their opinions in an entertaining and informative fashion. After they finish with Priest, they're going to move on to a prog rock band to cover, and they promise to alternate between metal and prog bands going forward. If you are a fan of Judas Priest, I highly recommend you check them out. Hopefully I didn't rip them off too much on this episode. So that's Satan and Rainbows. Dig it. And that's going to do it for this episode. You can find this podcast at places like iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, and Spotify. So if you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review of it. If you take the time to do that, I'll read your review right here on the show. If you'd like to contact me directly, I can be reached at RidiculousRockRecords at gmail.com and also on the Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews Facebook page, where there's a link to hear each podcast. You can also review the show on Facebook if you'd prefer to do it that way, and yes, I'll read your Facebook review on the podcast. You want to come on the podcast and talk about an album with me? Shoot me an email, we'll set it up. I'm always looking for co-pilots to host the show with me, and I would also welcome any requests or suggestions for albums to cover. Feel free to leave all of your feedback, comments, reviews, and or suggestions at any of those places I just described. I'd love to hear from you. And lastly, here at R4, we thank you so much for giving this podcast a listen, and a massive thank you if you like and support the show. Take care, and I'll catch you later. is a remarkable instrument capable of uh, capable of <laughs> capable of <clears throat> Rob's voice is a remarkable instrument capable of soaring highs <laughs> and guttural low barks <laughs> I'm clearly not Rob Helford and there's no fucking way this is going to make the show as a matter of fact, I'd wager this is probably going to be at the end with the stupid chipmunk voice shit that I do. So, right there.